Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us live. This is the Voice of Reason podcast. My name is Sean Phillips, and I am joined alongside my two lovely co-hosts, Mr. Andy Van Beber and Travis Kirkendall. Gentlemen, how are you two doing this evening? What's going on? What's Outstanding. Going on? I'm better than I was Friday night. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, you had like a stomach yeah, what? or something, right? Oh, my God. I thought I was on the edge of death. Um I, I've never, not to give too much information, but I've never thrown up that much in my life. Oof. What'd you eat? So this was like round two of the COVID shot? No, this was, no, this was, this was a, this was a good old fashioned bug that was sent to me by my son. So I, and that's, that's where it starts. Well, it's, I mean, it was going around, it was going around school. I mean, it made around school like crazy fast. And I was just like, are you sure it wasn't a COVID variant? Yes, I'm very positive because I can actually mm. hold. No, I can hold down water now. So yes. Whenever um, Tony and I took our daughter to daycare, the first week she was there, she caught this bug, and when I say like we were the family, we were out of commission for like 72 hours. I mean, it hurt to walk. It hurt to. I I threw up so many times. Like I I was one of the worst bugs I'd ever had. And it like ran through, it was so quick. And uh, so I hope that's not what you had to experience, but it sounds like that's just oh, about what was, you guys it had, was, it was miserable. had gotten. It was totally, totally, totally miserable. I was, I couldn't, I mean, I called, I called my wife, my wife, sometimes she has insomnia and she, she said, I called her from the living room. She, I said, you need to come in here. Cause I, I, I mean, I thought I was going to die. I was just like, holy crap. Do you think that in the next couple of years we're going to have another COVID like incident with, with another type of strain, whether it's another type of COVID strain or whether it's another illness or virus that runs rampant? Do you think that this is going to become a regular occurring thing or do you think this was kind of like a, a once in a lifetime kind of crazy? I don't know. I, I tell you what, I was, I had never, I had never felt. I mean, it was just, I, I mean, I've never, I've never in my life been where I can't hold down water. Whenever I have a stomach bug, if I want to say, okay, I need to, you know, cause I try to stay hydrated and I can always usually, you know, have some water and I could not, I mean, every time I tried to drink something, I mean, three minutes later, here it comes. And I was just like, you've got to be kidding me. Mm. So, yeah. That's brutal. That's about what, uh, what we were dealing with at our at our place like i thought I, the moment you thought you might be okay you would try and then it would just come right right back up well other than that you guys have a pretty good weekend overall mm-hmm. and we're already joined good deal. we're good already deal. joined by chewy this evening how about that I told I told Chewy to give tonight a listen. I said uh, we've got some good stuff for him. He's a big, big fan of the kind of things we're going to be talking about tonight. So Ooh, I'm actually nice. pretty excited yeah. for him. Yeah. Tell him to tell him to comment in. I'd like to have a conversation as we're doing it. <laughs> of it's course. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. Oh. Um, I did want to I did want to start with a quick story uh, before I kind of hand it over to you, Travis and and Andy. Because I know you guys are going to talk about something. But did you you guys see? 
um, what the Lake of the Ozarks was in the the media about this past week? No, I didn't. No. So the Lake of the Ozarks, it, uh, it, it trends every so often. Every blue moon, the Lake of the Ozarks <laughs> makes the, the headlines nationally for this, you know, recently because of COVID, um, all the bars were open and, right. you know, people kind of flocked to it, made the news. However, it's going viral uh, this week because of a video that surfaced of a bar from the Lake of the Ozarks at Osage Beach. Um, it was the Loto Lounge, L-O-T-O Lounge, where a bartender went on about a five-minute rant, yelling, cussing, um, and throwing some incredibly insulting things at some military service members, all because he said that a their military ID that they presented to him was fake um, and went on this – so he, he just doesn't understand military – his argument – well, you know, he's a bartender, so he checks IDs. Well, and here's the, the caveat, I guess I'll add. He wasn't actually an employee of this bar. He was like a family friend that stepped behind the bar to help out uh, while while the bartender was away is what I've gathered from the, the story that has come out since then, which um, in a week, mind you, this video on Facebook got over 4 million uh, reactions on Facebook and 350,000 on TikTok. So oh, wow. um, it okay. might be a hard time for the bar. But his argument was that if it was a real ID um, on military IDs, because for those that don't know, military IDs, they're made in what's called a deer's office, which can be, you know, as simple as um, I've seen them at armories, I've seen them on post, you know, and but they're printed out using a laminate machine. So his argument was because there was like a like a peel-offable sticker on the ID that it made it not real. So he took this the service member's ID, bent it and ripped like oh, broke it and was like no. that's fake threw it away. Yeah, and so oh. the, the the soldiers were like, well, we can't leave without that because it's technically government property. And he was just going off on them, telling them that soldiers haven't done anything important since World War II, oh, and that he's glad. That, he said, he said, uh, I'm glad that you think you can do more push-ups than me. Yeah, you're you're a real hard ass because you can do more push-ups than me kind of deal. Yeah, not a good look. Oh, and then wow. he said, because I'm assuming um, the, these soldiers were at the Lake of the Ozarks for something. I'm not even sure. They might have been guard soldiers. doesn't actually say what they were doing. I'm not sure if they were there from Fort Leonard Wood, but they said they were working in at the Lake of the Ozarks. That's why they were there. It might have been COVID relief. It literally could have been they were at the Lake of the Ozarks for like a weekend retreat. Those are things that, you know, sometimes yeah, units have is they right. have meetings elsewhere. And uh, he's like, oh, is there some top secret shit happening at the Lake of the Ozarks? No, get the F out of here. Just kept blowing up on him. And they're like, well, we can't leave till he gets his ID because he has to be able to get back onto post. Yeah, you can't and, even get uh, back on post without it. And and so and his argument, he's like, well, call some government officials so they can verify if it's a real. It was just a big mess, and now it looks like oh, well, the the Lake of the Ozark once again made USA Today, and so yeah, <laughs> you love to that see that bar. It. Probably is never going to be see the light of day of any customers ever again. I'm I'm. It's going to be pretty interesting. I know some folks that I work with uh, that live down there in the Lake of the Ozark, so I'm actually going to show them this and kind of get their take and, and see what they think about it because yeah, they haven't heard of not a good. Not a good look for for especially coming up on the summer season, man. Where, with you know, what 
what gets me is this was not even an employee of the bar, but the other big getter is like, I don't think this individual will realize how many soldiers come from Fort Leonard Wood to the lake during the summer, during pass. I mean, a lot of military service members go to the lake, and unfortunately for this bar, it looks like they are probably going to lose out on a lot of business because you guys know, I know, as Travis to speak for it, especially, you know, service members talk about where they're treated well and where they're not treated well. Right. And uh, so it's <laughs> this one's definitely going to be. Well, especially uh, when it goes viral all over oh, the yeah. Internet, yeah. millions of views. Yeah. Once you make it on TikTok, you know, you've made it. man. Oh, That's the yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. So we need to start putting we well, need to start putting skits on TikTok. Is what you're saying? Exactly, exactly what I'm saying. We do advertise. Andy, well, for that? Yeah, whatever. Yeah, right. <laughs> TikTok only fans at the end of the day. As long as we're getting paid, that's all I really care about. So, I'm, I'm no. Uh, I wanted to pass it along to you, Travis. Uh, you had shared a video, and I know we're going to talk to Andy and get a little bit of insight. Um, Want to get the gist of it? It was a, a gentleman, a teacher, I do believe that was making some some feelings and thoughts heard to uh, his school board so i'm gonna pass it along to you and uh get your take on the on the story yeah so i i had seen this uh this post i think it was on facebook is where i originally saw it and it was a video of this teacher now the title of the video is literally uh probably gonna butcher the name of the town uh grosse point or gross point uh, it's a city in Michigan teacher roast board of education and intense resignation speech. And he literally does roast this board of education. and just goes off. And what really caught my attention with this is I, in my opinion, what I've seen in V, I would love to get your take on this when I'm finished is I think there's been a lot of frustration from teachers nationwide with curriculum uh, the board of educators who are wherever they're at, um, you know, some of the new policies and things like that. And even in COVID, I mean, I know here in Chicago, there was a huge issue with the, the teachers union and the city on going back to school and all right. this stuff. And I mean, they were doing the strikes and everything. Uh, but this video, um, I encourage everyone to check it out. I mean, it's just, he just goes off and I, there was one point and there was someone that commented this as well, where towards the end of his speech and he's finishing up, the only comment he gets from his board is that's three minutes. You're done. Your time is up. That's three minutes. Oh. Your time's yep. up. That's three yep. minutes. That's the only feedback he even got from them. Right. And he says at the end, how many of us, how many more of us need to leave before you get it, before you finally understand it. And he gets into details of like his frustrations with it, but um, I think he speaks on behalf of a lot more than just himself. I think this is a nationwide issue that, you know, let's just say how it is. Teachers are underpaid for what they do. They're underpaid. Uh, I don't think quite they're really respected from the people who are, they're not trusted from the people who are supposed to give them the curriculum. Um, I don't know, Andy, maybe you could talk a little bit more on this. Well, I know you, I, you discussed that, you know, you have a good board of Oh, yeah. That you work with. And I liked his comment. The, the other thing that he was addressing in this video, and you guys have got to check this. We'll, we'll post it up on the, on the page here in a little bit. The, um, they were, he was talking about a, 
he was talking about last year they had a we have what's called professional development days and he was talking about and every school has to do this i mean it's pretty much a standard government procedure now where at the beginning of every school year we have to go through our uh active shooter stuff you know yeah, right and so what we what we end up doing and so he was this guy was talking about how they had to do they were doing their active shooter drill and they were being talked to by paramedics about okay how to triage kids in their room if they, you know they have a kid who's shot okay you need you need to be able and this teacher says you told us somebody who we we've never had any medical training and you're telling us that we have to triage okay this kid's not worth trying to save anymore this kid's not you know but yet this kid over here we we need to devote more attention to this kid and i thought that was and then he said but yet you guys will not trust me he said i'm an expert and he, i mean he wasn't yes. doing it to be braggadocious he says i'm an expert when it comes to matters of curriculum and how kids learn and how what they need to do and what we need to teach but you won't listen to me on that you you know but you expect to listen to me on you know, tria, you know, it's like, I've never had any medical training in my life, you know, and I can say this, uh, you know, I don't have to get brownie points or anything. I'm 25 year, I'm going to be 25 years in next year, but I mean, I'm blessed by where I teach it. Clopton is, uh, Clopton school district is a, is a, it's a different kind of district. I mean, we have administrators who get it. Uh, we have a school board that gets it and they know how, you know, you know, when I, when I go to a meeting with my, with my, when my, when my principal and my principal, you know, he drops in, you guys have known Logman for years. He drops in yeah. rooms all the time. It's not a strange thing to see Mr. Logman poke his head in and just say, Hey, you know, don't mind me. And, and nobody thinks the, you know, and some of the kids will even joke around with him. Hey, Logman, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, every year that I've taught there, and this is going to be next year will be year number 19 that I've taught at Clopton. Every year, Larry starts out every year with the same speech. I will back you up with whatever you do. Just don't do anything that I can't back you up with. And in my 18 years, I've only been called down on the carpet twice by Mr. Logman. And I totally was in the wrong. I know I was in the wrong. I He called me out tw two times. And... We addressed it. He was professional about it. I was professional about it. We addressed it. Done. If we have an issue about curriculum, the board listens to us. Well, what do you think? What do you guys think? And then whenever we get this stuff that comes down from the De De Department of Elementary and Secondary Education, we look at it with a realistic eye. You know, there have been, there have been programs that have come back and forth. Uh, I'll, I'll just, when you guys were in school, you guys were at the tail end of No Child Left Behind. No Child Left mm -hmm. Behind was the brainchild of Laura Bush uh, back in 2000, I want to say 2004. And the idea behind No mm, Child Laura Left Bush Behind killed was the guy. that by the year 2015, we would be at 100% students being able to read with a proficient level of comprehension and understanding and testing. 100%. No child left behind. Now, realistically, that's impossible. Yes. Um, you don't want to leave any child behind. I, I you know, I know I've, I work with a great, a great bunch of teachers. 
that pour everything into what they do. And there are some kids who just don't want to be at school. They don't, they don't give a rip about your test. You can try every set, you know, they give us every strategy in the book. You know, they, you know, our education classes, all these seminars, I'll try this new interesting little thing that, no, the thing that works is the, the wheel's never been broke. You either are, you know, a person who can connect with kids or you're not. If you can't connect with kids, you're, you, it doesn't matter if you come out there with, you know, Lord of the Rings outfit to talk about the Middle Ages or whatever. You're not going to get, <laughs> you're not going to get kids' attentions. Okay. You're not going to, no. I mean, it's how you converse with kids, how you react with kids, how you, and if kids know that you believe in them, they're going to listen to you. And you've got to have a board that's going to be willing to back you up. And this guy, I mean, this is, this is par for the course. This, this, what this guy said is par for the course for big schools. We have, we actually, uh, I'll share the name with you guys later on, but one of, one of your guys' close friend's sister is going to come to work uh, for Clopton Schools next year as a uh, fourth or fifth grade teacher. And she's been teaching at Troy. And, um, log, or no, she's going to be our English teacher. She's going to be another one of our English teachers. And Logan and Astor said, you're coming from Troy. You're, you're going to take a pay cut to come to Clopton. Why, why are you leaving Troy? Because she had, I mean, every one of her references were just glowing. Her principal didn't want to lose her, all this stuff. She's like, I don't have a board that backs me. I don't have administrators that back me. I have disrespectful kids. I have, I, I can't develop a personal relationship with kids. And I think that's just what it is. I mean, Schools are growing, class sizes are growing, and you know, yeah. these poor. It's hard for these small rural districts to keep up, and so, what do you end up with? You get these big, consolidated school districts that come together, and you know they can offer. Oh, look at all this great stuff that we can offer. We can offer this class and this elective and that elective. But you have no connection with the kids. There's no, you know, when I student taught at Hannibal, I see my kids, that one hour. And, you know, I'm in a, Hannibal has 2,500 kids in the high school, right? And I'm not going to see that kid for the rest of the day. Where at, yeah. Whereas where I'm at Clopton, I can, a, a kid will come and talk to me. Hey, V, can I, hey, let's step into Mr. Logram's office. Can I talk to you for a second? Sure. Can, you know, and I, th I think that's what, what's happening with education. It, you know, the more they try to reinvent the wheel, the worse it gets. Yeah, and I think you know his uh -oh. his rant. Hold on a second. Really, I think I just uh, lost you guys my headphone there. Keep on talking, Travis. I said um, I was going back to his rant specifically, um, and I think that really displays that. Like, hey, you know this this agenda, this um, you know this lack of trust in us to do our job. It's it's affecting it's not just affecting us as the teachers, but I think it's affecting the students and the quality of the education they're getting. And again, I, I don't think teachers get paid enough to do what they do. I mean, at all. And um, going back to the thing too, you know, if, 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 if there's students that just don't want to be there, they don't want to learn. How do I know this? I was one of them. <laughs> I, I, I hated school. I absolutely hated it, but um, and that's the challenge of a teacher, you know, how do you, 
get the interest and get the engagement and the buy-in from the student. And yeah, I, I, I encourage everybody to listen to this guy's rant. I mean, you really, you feel for him. And I mean, just the ending of that board director saying that's three minutes, that's three minutes. And I've even, that's God, that was so cold. I've even talked to um, students at like a lot of the schools that I've been going into and I can see definitely where in the schools where administration and the board actually like you can tell has the teachers backs versus doesn't have the teachers backs versus what happens in these schools. I mean, I kid you not, I went for a lunch visit at one school and there were like three fights in the junior high to high school in that lunch period, not in where I was, but uh, just throughout the day. And I mean, and I asked, I was like, is that a regular current thing that I call the time? It happens all the time. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, might be becoming more of a problem in some places. And I mean, I, I know of a school in my district alone where, you, you know, they're one of those schools that it's all kind of in the same place like us elementary through, uh, you know, senior, but uh, of some of their staff and administration, 20 staff members are leaving the school district at the end of this year, 20. And it comes down to um, a lot of them are resigning, retiring early or transferring to another school just because of the, how the administration is. What district is that again, Sean? I'm sorry. I don't, I don't want to name drop the district just because uh, I've I've, I've still got, I've still got, I've still got to work there. Yeah. Well, and, and but no, and, and, What's sad about it? At the no, end I was just going to say, like, I walked into, oh, go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say, what's sad about it at the end of the day is <laughs> teachers really feel like they're outnumbered. Oh, and, yeah. You know, I mm-hmm. mean, because it's them against the school board. It's them against uh, the parents. It's them against the students. And it's just them, you know. And I, that's. You know that's a that's a that's an issue I think that needs to that that needs to be addressed by somebody way above my pay grade, obviously. But I mean, I mean, and and we're wondering why we have so many young teachers who are leaving the profession. So quickly, like they are dead set on becoming a teacher, and then within a year or two, they're like, I can't do this. Yeah, I, I mean, and it's a lot, um, a lot recently, um, and. You know, there's uh, the big thing for a lot of teachers that I think a lot of them take for granted, especially younger teachers like V, you've you've experienced it firsthand, you know, uh, hand and foot. But especially nowadays, and I, I sound like such an old guy, but it, it's it, I think it just gets worse and worse each year where parents at home are relying on teachers to do the parenting for them. Exactly. Um, and it, it it shows it shows a lot. Especially like in some of those elementary, you know, for a lot of those elementary uh, students, I've, I've talked to elementary school teachers, you know, that were friends of mine that are now teachers. Uh, and they're like, you can tell, you can tell who has, a, you know, a, two parents that care. You can tell when there's one parent that cares. And then you can tell where there's not any parent that cares. Um, and it shows in those students. And your your oh, man your district and then and the your district. no and I was just gonna say and you see it with like those students as they they get older 
you know, there's, there's more issues, but also, you know, let's say if there's a kid that's struggling, but let's say if he, he or her is just so rambunctious in class and it, it's a lot for one teacher to try to rope them in. And the second that that teacher reaches out to the parents like, hey, is there a little bit more we can do at home, you know, that can kind of help. It's no, that's not my job. You're the one that's, you know, getting paid to teach him or the parents aren't answering the phone. The parents aren't showing up to parent teacher conferences or the minute they do, it's like, so why is my kid failing all these things? Oh yeah. It's like, and, oh, well, and, and that's, and that's going to be good and, question. And that's going to be, that's the beast that haunts us forever. Um, I'll, I'll just yeah. say this real quick and then we can move on to another topic. If you guys like the, um, I resigned six years into my first job. I actually, and I won't go into a lot of details about this, but I, I resigned halfway through the school year. Um, I'd had a, I'd had a student who had made a comment about me that was not true. And, um, the, 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 my administrator was not willing to back me. And I, Mm. I just said, she's like, well, we're going to do this investigation. And then I just like, I'll save you the time. And my, 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 we don't have a union. Missouri teachers have what's called the Missouri state teachers association. And my union or my representative said, do not resign. She said, this is, you'll win this. We can fight this. I was like, they don't want me. They don't, you know, I have a kid who, and basically it was a student who I had, she, you know, one of the, the social kids who I, I gave a bad grade to because she just didn't do her homework and didn't do her stuff. And her dad was big in the community and they were going to have my job. And I, I got out of it and, I was out of it, and I went to work in a factory, and and uh, it sucked. Working in a factory sucked, and uh, yes, it does. been there. And uh, been there. Yeah. And uh, I just said, I just said, uh, you know, I've had my I've had my fill, and uh, then lo and behold, one of my uh, friends down in Bloomfield, uh, his he's one of my good he was one of my good friends was that worked at the local ambulance. He was the ambulance service director. And his dad was on the school board up at Clopton, and he was his dad was just telling him the story about how they had hit they were in a pickle because they had a history teacher who left two year, two weeks before the school uh, before the school year started, and they were in a pickle. And he's like, "Did you you know? Do you know of anybody?" And he's like, "And he's like, and my buddy's like, yeah, actually I do." And he called me up, and I'm like, "Dude, I so do not want to." He's like, "Oh no," he said, "Clopton's different. Clopton's different. Really, it's going to be." He said, "Trust me on this. I graduated from there. Blah blah blah. You'll love it." It's uh, like. All right, and so I went up for the interview, and you know, the rest they say is here. You are. Yep. 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 Hey. Awesome. Well, open up, history. Sean. Yeah, history. All right, yeah. Sean. History. Open up on us, Sean. Let's have it. Everybody's waiting for it. All right. So today, folks, one thing I I, I wanted to talk about just because we had, you know, kind of had some plans, things got shuffled, but well, I thought we'd make this one a little bit interesting. I'm gonna kind of throw some little uh, tidbits or some things that the guys and hear what they have to say. If there's anything that, you know, kind of interests you guys, please uh, leave a comment below and we'd love to get you engaged and involved in the conversation. Um, But I wanted to bring up just a couple of things really quick uh, before I dive deep into, into the main part about it. But I found this um, uh, lovely thing um, that I wanted to share. Do you guys you guys know who um, J. Edgar Hoover was? Of course. Yes. Yeah, the name ring a bell. First, first, okay. uh, first director of the FBI. Yes. 
a director of the FBI who behind closed doors loved to wear women's underwear and high heels. Yep. Hey, at the end of the day, that's his gag. He could do that as much as he wanted. However, comma, the real controversy around J. Edgar Hoover comes with a lot of the secret projects that the FBI conducted and did during his time as director. Had you guys ever heard of the program? It was a counterintelligence program called Cointelpro. No. No. So this uh, was a counterintelligence program that the FBI created and kept under wraps. And the purpose of it was to infiltrate and survey to discredit American political groups that it deemed subversive. The main one uh, that I would like to bring to attention or the main individual that the government or J. Edgar Hoover tried to infiltrate and tried to uh, get in trouble and pull out of the limelight was a young gentleman uh, you guys might know by the name of Martin Luther King Jr. Hmm. Yes, I, I okay. actually I have heard this some was of, a I didn't know it was Cointel Pro, but I have heard about this. Go ahead. Yes, yeah, so they harassed numerous political groups and um, you know did all all kinds of things, made them paranoid. Uh, really, you know, infiltrated these groups. This was an FBI uh, program, but here's the thing: it wasn't just communists. Like Jagger Hoover didn't go just against communists or you know typical left leanings. Um, but again, public enemy number one was Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. by the FBI, okay? During uh, – literally had his hotel rooms bugged. Mm -hmm. He was followed. Uh, at one point, allegedly tried to break up his marriage and uh, even had uh, an FBI members – and this is, this is not a conspiracy. This is, this is a report that actually came out. It is public knowledge now sent him anonymous letters trying to convince him to kill himself. <laughs> so, Oh my God. It was uh, yes. And see, and that was really, it was actually found out because um, documents were exposed after an FBI field office was broken into uh, in 1971 is actually where uh, Intel documents and records of all these incidents, basically they were, they were, they had documentation of like, okay, uh, this is what we did on this day for this suspect. And it was all listed of the daily activities and logs of what they were trying to do to break up uh, the civil rights movement. And that was the FBI. Um, there was a little incident uh, where <clears throat> uh, during the Cold War, U.S. military leaders had a plan to kill innocent people and blame it on Cuba. Yeah. Wow. Uh, which. Wow. Yes. So I'll, I'll, I'll read this off here. Um, 90 miles from Florida coast uh, considered a serious threat during the cold war. Communist Cuba under its leader, Fidel Castro was a problem for the United States. The U S tried to oust Castro with a little thing you guys know as the Bay of pigs invasion mm -hmm. in 1961. However, as you guys both know, that operation failed which they came up with another plan called Operation Northwoods. And to make it very clear, this was a real plan that uh, military uh, service members and leaders, I'll, I'll put it that way, um, 
the joint chief chief of staff that were appointed to President Kennedy, um, the defense secretary, Mr. Robert McNamara, 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 yes, this uh, this was going to take place in 1962. However, it was civilian leadership that rejected the strikes that would have um, actually gone off and killed civilians. Uh, this was undisclosed for 40 years before things were uh, declassified. So another, um, my favorite one that I kind of want to talk about really quickly. Have any of you guys uh, heard of the program uh, MKUltra? That sounds familiar, but enlighten me. I, 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 I know I've heard of it. So this is one of my... I say favorite just because it's so crazy to me that this was something that actually happened in the United States for two decades, two decades between uh, 1953 and 1973. So this was when the CIA conducted actual mind control experiments on unwanted U.S. And Canadian citizens. Yes. Uh, some of which were lethal. Some of these were actual people died. Yes. So, um, yes. So I didn't they they based a so movie, to give a, a they quote, based a movie off of that the, uh, men, who, the men, men who, who stare goats. goats. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Men who stare yes. goats. So during the program, the CIA established front companies to work with eighty other institutions like hospitals, prisons, and universities. Prisons were a huge one, and hospitals. Mm-hmm. Um, with the partnerships in place, the agency then ran experiments on subjects using drugs, hypnosis, and verbal and physical abuse. Another um, series that's kind of way spun off there, but is actually loosely based off incidents that uh, happened during MK Ultra, is a little show called Stranger Things. Um, and it, mostly it's the first yeah. season where um, the children, all those experiments and stuff are, are done on them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, to really dive deep into like MK Ultra would be several podcasts on its own. Um, but there's a couple just like interesting things that I do kind of want to talk about. This MK Ultra was a thing um, basically was kind of a plan to train sleeper agents that was kind of like the sci-fi thing that was believed that people could do Manchur- which literally creates Man- seek the manchurian candidate yeah was yes to create sleeper agents to send into places like russia mind you like i said this took place from 1953 to 1973 and mk ultra wasn't even brought into the public's knowledge until 1975 mm-hmm. two years after the project had ended um Part of these experiments involved heavily dosing test subjects with hallucinogens and making them take copious amounts of LSD. Um, I don't know if you guys know anyone that regularly trips acid, uh, but uh, imagine being strapped down and continuously forced to take LSD drugs like acid. uh, And then all while that's happening, you're trying to be trained to become like a sleeper agent spy for the CIA. Even if you were just like a prisoner or an individual that was like in a hospital that just so happened to like, and here's the thing. Some of them were voluntary sign up experimentations that people did. Others did not know what they were doing. Okay. Um, But here's, here's where (laughs) this is an interesting little fact about um, MK ultra. Does anyone 
my favorite um, little individual that was involved with the MK Ultra program who has a test subject. Does the name uh, Ted Kaczynski ring a bell to either of you two? Oh, jeez. You're going to go there. Uh, okay. Unabomber. Me. Unabomber. <laughs> Ted Kaczynski, otherwise known as the Unabomber, was an MK Ultra test Shut subject. Up. Shut up. Oh, my gosh. True facts. So the, the reason why I, I, I bring that up is, is again, we go out of we go out of right field and we really talk about the people that are into the conspiracies of did the CIA create the Unabomber specifically for like those activities? Well, did they do it? No, probably not. However, come some of the ex- experiments and some of the things because if you guys don't know much about the Unabomber, one of his his more uh, he was kind of famously known as, you know, like the anti-tech guy and went off into the woods and went crazy. That's where, um, you know, he, he had his little his little woodshed was um, where he lived and where he did all of his plottings because um, he went crazy. Now, whether or not that was done because of the experimentations of MKUltra, I'm not going to say that that was the reason – uh, but I'm definitely not going to say that it didn't uh, help play a part in it regardless. Now, can the I, reason why I bring up these things. Can I throw, go ahead, please. Can I throw one more name out there that you, I hope I'm not stepping mm-hmm. on another one of your. No, please, people. please. But uh, I, I, you mentioned MKUltra and, and, after, and I just, just tapped on something that I, I thought I remembered hearing MKUltra about was the guy who killed Bobby Kennedy, and that was Sirhan Sirhan. And he was mm. and he was the guy who still to this day, Sirhan Sirhan is still alive, and he's he's been up for parole multiple times, and still to this day denies knowing anything. He, he, he still claims that he came to, after putting the, you know, he shot Bobby Kennedy point blank. Bobby Kennedy died on the, died in, in the Ambassador Hotel in Los Angeles, California. And Sirhan Sirhan was nothing more pretty much than just a, a busboy there. And and uh, Sirhan Sirhan said he was just, when when they interviewed him, the police just said this guy, I mean, Sirhan Sirhan was, he was relaxed, he was composed, he was like, look, I don't know why I'm here. And... There's been a lot of people who've wrote, who've written books about Sirhan Sirhan being a test subject of MK Ultra because he, I mean, because he fits all of these. And as you, the more you talked about this, the more just like, okay, that's the program. And I just looked, and it was the the guy. Uh, I'm trying to think, the guy who wrote the book about it. There's a book out there, la, la, la. but it, yeah, they put in, yeah, this guy. Oh, now they got. Yeah, but he they 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 claim that you know he's you know this, I mentioned the Manchuria Candidate that was a movie that was by um, oh god I can't think of the guy's name right now but back in the seventies and that movie was all about these guys who these basically these troops who came back from the Korean War and who were basically prisoners of war by the Chinese and who were trained to be you know sleeper agents and when you heard a trigger word you would be you know you would go and you would go and kill somebody and yeah that's it's it's i mean they i mean there's some there are some really 
next level stuff that is just out. Alan, yeah. Yes, one of the, the guy ugly wrote... truths of the the Cold War era was the sheer amount of human experimentation from both sides is actually pretty substantial. Um, a, a you know a pretty common knowledge fact is the United States brought substantial amounts of German Nazi scientists to the United States mm -hmm. yeah. after World War II. And a surprising okay. amount. Surprising not, amount. Not just individuals that helped with the space race. That was a, a big chunk. However, there were a lot of these same exact scientists that conducted thousands mm -hmm. of human experimentation tests and theories on Jewish prisoners concentration camps right? in places like in, in concentration camps. Okay. Um, so this was, this was not new and this was not new to a lot of them. Now, the reason why um, I wanted to talk about those specific things were because I wanted to get your guys idea because we obviously know that there are, you know, classified files there are things that you know are not we're not allowed to you know know and this is conspiracy theories out the window but i i just just based off your guys knowledge how many really big things do you think there are out there and it could be about other countries it could be about um government official secrets but do you think that there there is some serious world changing news that our government knows about that they're keeping from us? Just based off your guys' opinion, I'd I'd, I'd like to. Do you think that they're holding that kind of information? I have been I have been there's stuff that I've tapped into for a long time. Um, my biggest growing up and in college, uh, of course, one of my. Even though he, he was, I love JFK. My dad hated JFK, but I love JFK. I love studying JFK. I love what he did for civil rights. I love what he did in the fight against, in the Cold War, and how he stood up to the communists in Cuba, how he, you know, how, he, how we're still all alive right now because of some, some steps that he took in October of 63 to keep us from going to nuclear war. But when you, you know, when you talk about all the people he hacked off, I mean, everybody from the mafia to the to the military for the you mentioned the Bay of Pigs to the uh, CIA to and I mean you don't if we don't have if we didn't have I'm sure everybody knows about this but the official name of this film is called the Zapruder film if we did not have the Zapruder mm -hmm. film which is the only we which is the only taped thing that we have of JFK's assassination. You know, you can watch that film frame. I mean, they actually had, and there's been tons of guys who have poured over this and I've watched, I've watched more than my fair share of analysis of the film. I actually, so ABC, uh, and I actually show this, as, I show this to some of my classes, ABC show, made, went out on a limb um, back in 2005 when the JFK, a lot of the JFK stuff was released in 2005 and ABC went out on this limb to, to substantiate the Warren Commission's thing that there was only one shooter 
And you, you can watch, you can, when you watch the Zapruder film, okay, and if you haven't, I mean, if you've got a strong stomach and you can handle it, you watch the Zapruder film. When JFK is shot, he goes forward, okay, because, you know, the angle at which, um, why can't I, can't, the guy who shot JFK. Um, Lee Harvey Oswald. Lee Harvey Oswald, thank yeah. you. Lee Harvey Oswald was up in the Texas Book Depository. At the angle he was shooting at, okay, yeah, you go forward. But then your head comes back and to the left, and your brains go out the back of the Cadillac, okay? JFK rode in an open car, in an open and how many, when you've seen the president today, how many times do you see the president riding in any open vehicle? Well, after that, never. Well, yeah. And I'm just like, you've, you, you can't, you can't expect me to say, okay, that one guy was able, so he's able to defy the law of physics and fire a bullet that, you know, magically ricochets or whatever and comes back and no. So. I'm not one of those guys who believes in the one shooter. I had I had a fantastic teacher in high school and in middle school, uh, history teachers who said, you know, question everything. Question when I mean when it comes to stuff like this, you always question. I mean, because there's always, you know, a dark hand. But yeah, that's that would be the one that I would go with, Sean. Well, wasn't there? A, Did you know that? A, you talked about they had released some stuff back in '05 about it, but wasn't there some documents recently? Mm-hmm. I think it was like a couple of years ago talking about how yeah, Trump Oswald actually released like connection. Yeah. He had like, I guess Lee Harvey Oswald had like connections from like uh, oh, Cuba or he had, there, was, there was something that came out. He, it was so made people Lee, really question yeah. everything that happened. Yeah. Lee was actually um, a really interesting character. And I can't, God, I want to say it was, and do I have this wrong? Am I thinking of the right guy? He spent quite a he spent quite a time in Russia. Yes, he did. He was an individual. Yes. That, so, yes. Yeah. So yeah. he was he was like he loved the Communist Party. Yes, he did. Like, but yes. it was kind of funny. Was he he loved it, and then he went and lived it, and it sucked so bad he came back to America with a but Russian still bride. loved the Communist Party with yes. a Russian bride. Yes, who hated it? Who who? Hated Who him. Was not a fan of she, Lee Harvey Oswald. She hated him. They had a kid. They had a kid. She to, wanted to go. Yeah, she had a kid with him too. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Lee was, and if God, I want to say, and if I'm not mistaken, Lee was uh, pretty. He he spent some time uh, in the military, and. Um, that was part of the, part of the whole thing was like while he was in just kept talking about how like oh the, you know the this this sucks you know I want to be a part of Mother Russia and and join the Communist Party and everyone just kind of looked at him like oh that's all that's all Lee Harvey like you know he's just kind of a whack job um, alcoholic that kind of was just like you know out of his mind um, I always think one of the the craziest like subtle calmnesses about Lee is after he actually assassinated the president. Um, was that on his way out he stopped bought a coca-cola from the vending machine and then had a conversation with a police officer inside um the textbook uh what what depository where he was at before he left um and got on a bus um 
what yeah, and that, that what's he, crazy is he the president was trying to make a statement by riding around in the coverless uh, vehicle was because he was not liked in in the Dallas region. Actually, he is quoted saying the night before um, his assassination. Let me make sure I get it. I get it right. Uh, yeah. Before he was leaving for Dallas the night before he, he remarked to his wife, you know, last night would have been a hell of a night to assassinate a president as they left uh, a reference because they were in a motorcade in um, Fort Worth the night before. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of a, a really interesting thing. And then like, like Andy has said, all kinds of different um, conspiracies and thoughts on the CIA's involvement. Eight, and, so what, uh, Trump, what, things. what Trump released was 18,000 remaining CIA records. <laughs> wow. And there would be, and with just 1% of the material left redacted. Holy cow. And then the, Travis, so, was there anything? Wow. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say the national, so you can go to the national archive. There, this is a, this is a massive file. Holy no, cow. Ridiculous. Oh my gosh. You couldn't, I don't think you could read through this, a uh, uh, 20 pages an hour and be done in 10 years. Holy cow. Go ahead, Travis. Oh man. Uh, Travis, was there any thoughts about anything that, that you might think or, or any, any conspiracies that, that float around in your head from time to time? Uh, well, there's a lot. It's how deep do we want to go down the rabbit hole? We got a few. We got a few. We got a few minutes. We're good. Okay, so I'm I'm sure everyone's (laughs) seen recently the uh, the coverage of UFOs recently. Um, the government officially coming out and acknowledging that hey, these are unidentified objects. We do not know what this is about. Uh, we're actually investigating this and trying to figure it out but it's the first time they're actually coming out and acknowledging it and i so this is this is where i kind of wanted yeah to to dive in tonight because we're at a very interesting time uh and this is going to be the 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 sci-fi geek conspiracy nerd in me but in modern history okay the most recorded UFO sightings. Anyone want to take a guess when they took place? I, I don't know. When... Right after World War II, after we nuked Japan. Um, after that bombing between the mid-40s to the late 1950s, were, during that chunk of time, were like the most regularly occurring ufo sightings repeatedly um now there has been a spike a large spike in ufo sightings in the last half decade have been through the roof here's the 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 thought this is the the conversation that i was thinking if and let's just say if, because there's one 
more likely option one way out there option. The one more likely option is these UFOs are more than likely another nation's technology. But where it gets crazy is this would make a lot of this technologies that were seen in the Tic Tac videos and the recent videos that were shared just off like 60 meters away from a U.S. naval destroyer ship. You know, um, I don't know if you guys had seen that video that was literally shared like a week ago of uh, unidentified flying objects that were caught um, – yeah, caught on camera. These these videos have now leaked, and the Pentagon has now again said, yes, these are also in our, our classified files that we list as we don't know what they are, and we're doing an investigation on them, um, of uh, these, these, these unidentified flying objects. They typically happen around the time that nuclear war is either happening or pending. Now, if these were foreign enemy if this was foreign enemy technology it is way beyond the stuff that we have okay which should make people nervous if this kind of technology is able to get this close to our naval fleet to our aerospace to fly above land where our own government can't tell us what they are. Like they're clearly stating like, we have no idea what these are. And I, you know, that could even be the government saying like, oh, we just don't know what they are. But the thing is, is how they simply just defy the law of physics I'm is watching. what I'm really watching. blows. I'm well, watching. yeah, if you I'm listen watching. to these naval I'm pilots, right now. This is the, these pilots the, discuss like the stuff they see and like just how sheer, like the speed. Well, these things these are yeah. moving. Like these things are moving. Do, it's like, well, and here's here's no one thing about it. A lot of people that do that. This is, so a lot of people talk about how they could be drones, but no. a lot of these ships are going into water and then back out at a rate. And like a big thing that these naval pilots are talking about is how these are. Uh, these crafts are leaving disturbances in water, but not like uh, propulsion would, like a, a jet would leave like a stream, a ripple. It's almost like a singular leap, like a almost like a boom is coming and disturbing this water yeah, when these here, vehicles are, are flying, stopping yes. midair, going yeah. into the water and I'm, then back up. I'm watching that. This That is the exact video I'm watching right now, Sean. They're showing it going into the water. Going under the this water. This was the one from a week ago. Yeah. This, so this is it's going under the. I gotta the, watch this. It's going under the. I'm I'm watching it right now as it's going under the water, and this is going at a good clip too. This is going at a real good clip. It's this it's staying underwater for quite a bit of time. I'm so I mean. They're they're definitely I'm surprised, that, and now and now it's coming up out of the water. That is, wow. And, this, and here's the thing. That's amazing. If if that is technology. That belongs to another nation. We're in trouble. We're in trouble. (laughs) That's we're in trouble. Wow. Now here's here is the more out there theory. Let's hypothetically say these unidentified flying objects are, and I'm gonna have to look up the name because it's funny because the government, like like the the Pentagon, won't address them as UFOs. They're calling them something else. I think it's like 
unidentified, I think it's UAPs, they're calling them UI, UAPs, which is, uh, stands for unidentified aerial phenomenon yeah. is what, uh, is what, what they're calling them. Uh, but me, my, my take of the, of it, if it's un, unworldly, we're seeing more activity from UFOs when there is either a pending nuclear war or nuclear war has started. The theory behind it being if these aliens, if they are aliens, know <laughs> that we are here, right? They don't want us to blow ourselves to smithereens. So I think that these, these trips here are kind of some wellness checks to really kind of see uh, what's going on to either put a put a stop to war or figure out what they can do um can that I, that was that was one of the the conspiracy yeah jump in so here is the this is the official pentagon ufo and you said uap uh i and this is the representative they don't give the guy's name i can confirm that the reference photos and videos were taken by navy personnel the uaptf the unidentified aerial phenomena task force has included these incidents in their ongoing examinations. That's that's the extent of their, and they show some of these. They actually have some color ones, some daytime photos of this. It looks like a, I mean, it's a, like a pyramid shaped UFO looking thing. I mean, it's, that's that's pretty. I mean, that's pretty, yeah. That's, that's definitely that was actually one of the the funny things. Um, an old quote from like one of the back in the 40s when when people talk about flying saucers is um this is just a little bit of ufo nerdism right here but uh he actually didn't say that he saw a flying saucer he said that he saw a triangular like object flying in a saucer like pattern so that's where the flying saucer came from of like they're round they're circular but if you actually look at a lot of found footage of alleged ufos of ones that are real like 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 genuine genuine like what is that kind of thing um you'll be surprised at how many of them are triangular in shape it is they a lot of them are triangular well <laughs> i'll take this i'll take this a little bit we, we could again like travis said we can go really deep in the wormhole but we are running out of time but uh, i know <laughs> so so here's let me just put this from a historical standpoint and this is this is the nerdism this is the history nerd in me coming out okay so you look at four ancient civilizations uh Ooh, miles yeah. apart we go. okay so you have the egyptians you have the Mayans, the Aztecs, and the Incas, okay? All of their worship places, all built in a triangular shape, pyramid format, one way or the other, okay? Um, all, you know, you're talking, so Egyptian 33,000 30, B.C., um, Mayans, uh, what, a thousand B.C. to, you know, in that neighborhood. Aztec, yeah. and, you know, and then you had your, and then your, you know, your Incas and your Aztecs were the ones who, you know, were until the Spanish came. And everything that these guys had, I mean, you look at the, uh, to me, I mean, 
the 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 pyramids themselves you can say i we did a we did a an ancient say we always did a travis i remember you being in there we, we, we you were in that ancient civ class where there was only like four kids in that ancient civ class but we look when we looked at we looked at the we looked at the sheer tonnage of what was used to put these pyramids on their bay and that there's not and here's the other thing not one ounce of cement or concrete used anywhere on that thing still to this day and they've withstood her you know they've withstood sandstorms they've withstood how i mean that is just and i mean to the precision to every one of those stones were cut to a 16th of an inch to a 16th of an inch you can't i mean how does that and then you get to the aztecs and the mines and the same same kind of just the same kind of uh Carp, I want to say carp masonry that's, that goes into making it. That to me, I'm, I'm like, come on, come on. There's, there's, I mean, those guys were smart, but let's, let's be honest here. That's 30, that's over two, 5,000 years ago. How are you building that kind of stuff with that, with no technology, no cranes, no anything? So, what are you supposing? Uh, <laughs> ah, <laughs> you know, the, the, my, his, my official historical standpoint, okay. The, the the interesting thing about this is in the capstone on top of one of the pyramids, and they've actually been able to get up into its t- um, uh, uh, t- uh, King Tut's tomb. And the very top in the pinnacle, there's actually Hebrew writing up in up in the top, which that uh, that goes to the theory that the majority of the pyramids were built by the Jews. Um, but uh, I don't know. I. To me, there's there's too many common, you know, when you look at all of those civilizations, they all worshipped a sun-like being. They said they they worshipped the sun, they worshipped a sun-like being. Okay, all of those, all four of those civilizations, they all worshipped. It was all all focused on the sun, or this, what they thought was the sun, this bright, you know, what some, you know, and this is where some of the guys <laughs> in the conspiracy conspiracy community say. It was some kind of glowing object in the sky that it wasn't necessarily the sun, you know. So I mean, there's 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 a lot of stuff out there that I mean can just. Really... I think one of the one of the interesting things, especially with like ancient civilizations, that it always comes around to, are the amount of like scribes and whether it's hieroglyphics or whatever it might be of the same deities. Mm-hmm. The same exact deities yep. on, you know, in civilizations where they never met, they mm-hmm. they never crossed. Had no, that. had no way. And a lot of them often, and a lot of them often talk about how you know these temples were built for said individuals, and a lot of them too, if I'm not mistaken, like talk about how these people came from the stars, how they literally came from the stars and were there. Um, one so this this is actually one of the one of the funny things i i saw on this old cheesy uh documentary but it they they brought up this point that i actually did find very interesting uh this one specifically and again we won't go down the rabbit hole too deep but was it was about mermaids right it's this one was specifically about mermaids <laughs> however it pulled together like you had said just a minute ago with with the with the pyramids and the similarities it pulled these same exact stories and descriptions of 
people from the sea. And these were people that were Nordic, mm-hmm. that were that had these stories. These were people that were in South America. These were people that were in Africa that gave the same description on these individuals from the sea that didn't, you know, speak um, English and and but they were, you know, these were the same exact stories, same exact descriptions different generations of people across different parts of the planet. Um, there's always just going to be those, those little silly things. I, but, I, I will tell you um, that, that there's, and you're now you're now you're delving into region that my, my daughter fascinates upon because I'll come, I'll walk in on her and she's watching these mermaid videos on YouTube that have just, that go on what you just talked about. I mean, sightings and stuff. I'm just like, all these ancient manuscripts of people, you know, swearing that this is what they witnessed. This is what they saw. This is, you know, there was one I saw recently about a sighting in Alaska. Really? Something like this. Yeah. But I mean, there's, there's all those things. I, I mean, it's like, okay, what do we know about, you know, you could go, I mean, we're, we're definitely going to need to explore this. I mean, local legend, you know, was it Momo, the monster up in Louisiana? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and then, I mean, I have, so I have a lady who I used to go to church with and she, she grew up in Louisiana and they grew up out in the, she grew up in the country and she, this, this woman is one of these women who, I mean, she's as straight as an arrow. She's not, she's not a loose. I mean, and she swore to me, when we were, she helped out with our youth group for the longest time. And she told me, she said, look, she said, you can laugh at me that you want. But I, she said, when I was 16 years old, me and me and some friends were out, you know, camping. And we saw this, we saw this creature that it was, she said, we saw it from a distance and it wasn't a bear. It was, she's like, and she swore to me. She said, that was Momo, the monster. And she said, we, she says a Bigfoot like creature. And she just, she swore to me that she'd saw it. So, yeah, this is something well, before, we're gonna have to revisit. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I got yeah. so much more I want to add, but it's gonna yeah. add it at least another hour yeah. to this. And, no, we, and we, we definitely like should because so. I, yeah, I want to I wanna close it out with I just encourage uh, for those that are listening, and I encourage you guys to look it up too. Uh, there's two individuals that I just I'll, I'll very briefly talk about, um, but are super important in when it comes to today's talk about UFOs specifically is former Nevada Senator Harry Reid, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, if that name doesn't ring a bell, this was a major leader of the Democratic Party for a long time. This was a major player in the game for the Democratic Party, uh, has now since retired as 81, has claimed, okay, this is, now again, mind you, the second that this individual then talks like this, they're crazy, woohoo, off the rocker kind of thing, has claimed that defense contractor, and this would make sense, Lockheed Martin has fragments of a crashed UFO in its possession. What? Very interesting. Uh, and that was like that was like ten days ago. This was really recent um, that he has claimed. Yeah. Um, and again, he was told that the Pentagon would not approve him to actually look at the stuff, but uh, uh, there was actual discussions like with him, kind of like one of those nonchalant things, like, yeah, there's 
things there, but you don't need to see them. Uh, and this was, you know, can I uh, let me? Just, this was a senator. Can let me read this quote. Throw Larry, in there, yeah. yeah. So here's his quote: "I was told for decades that Lockheed had some of these re retrieved materials. The Democrat told the media outlet, and I tried to get, as I recall, a classified approval by the Pentagon to have me go look at the stuff. They would not approve that. I don't know what all the numbers were, what kind of classifications it it was, but they would not give that to me. Wow." Uh, and and uh, the other name I encourage you guys to look up just because it's very interesting. And this guy is either the biggest truth teller or is easily the best storyteller of all time. But is an individual, uh, he was a UFO whistleblower named Bob Lazar. Yes. yes. Uh, yep. Bob Lazar. Yes. Yep. Yes. So for those that don't know, Bob Lazar was an individual that worked at a place called Los Alamos. Um uh, had allegedly went to like MIT, basically long story short, had worked on Man. UFOs or had claimed to have worked on UFOs and then was underwritten by the government, uh, like the CIA, the FBI raided his house on multiple occasions. That is true. They actually were, while filming a documentary about him, they have it on cameras of the FBI. Like he is calling the, the, um, director and the FBI literally is raiding his house while he's speaking with this guy. It is a wild thing. Um, but he had claimed to have worked on UFOs. The government denied it, said he didn't even work there, that this did not exist. And then the proof in the pudding came out that leaked documents showed that he did work at Los Alamos. And now they were just like, oh, well, that's that's crazy, I guess. He claims, so he claims I, that, that's that is that is yeah, he literally just barely scratching the surface. Yeah, Bob Lazar has a lengthy. I mean, you, there's ton when you when it's L A Z A R. When you look him up, I mean, he's not mm -hmm. he's not some kook guy with. I mean, this is a and he is and uh, according to this side, he's still alive too. So he is yes, yeah. And he, no, no, he was on Rogan. Not too he, long ago. A uh, master's degree from uh, MIT and a master's degree in electric te electronic technology from the ca from Caltech. Oh my God! So he's MIT and Caltech. Um, he worked for Nellis Air Force Air Force Base. Um, a physicist at Los Alamos Melson Physics Facility, Los Alamos National Laboratory. Yeah, he well, he's got he's got quite a. Yeah, he, he does have quite the kind of resume you'd want to be working on UFOs. He was, yeah, and this also, so it looks like he was thrown into the bus a couple times for aiding and abetting a prostitution ring. I'm sure that was convenient too. Um, so, wow, yeah, that's that's quite that's uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So. I, I want to go ahead and give a quick plug too before we get off. Uh, apologies, I know we gave a lot of, we dropped a lot of hints about what we were going to talk about this week. I'll just go ahead and let the cat out of the bag. Uh, share it with your friends. We are going to be discussing uh, the minimum wage monster next week. Um, we are going to have a guest of mine who, he's a friend of mine from college, and he has never been afraid to call me out. Um, he might be Sean Phillips' long lost brother. Um, when it comes to a sense of humor <laughs> and, uh, you guys are really going to enjoy this guy when he comes on. Um, we were going to try to do that this week, but the guests that we had lined up, uh, kind of didn't feel comfortable with it. And we totally understood that. 
And uh, so we were going to do that this week. So sorry for those of you who were thinking we were going to talk about this week, that this week. But we are going to be discussing the minimum wage monster. We are going to, I am going to try to post some polls out this week on our on our site. Uh, please mm, take part in our poll. Take some part in our polls. Um, the more, the merrier. Uh, we can get some stats on that. And uh, all the uh, me and Sean and Travis will share it to our own personal pages, so you guys can get links to that if you don't follow us on our Facebook page. Um, but I will. I'm going to try to put those out uh, either tomorrow or Wednesday. Um, so please vote on those. It'll just be some random questions, and I'm sure the boys will probably come up with some other questions they might want to ask. Um, but we, you know, we've been. This has been one of those. Uh, I don't want to say demons, but it is a demon that. This, it's it's hard to get people to talk about this because all three of us kind of have the same. This is one of those issues that all three of us kind of are in line with, but we want to get somebody from the other side. And my friend who's coming in is actually, I mean, he's just a common Joe like the rest of us, and he doesn't work in a, you know, but uh, he definitely has a different take on things on when it comes to minimum wage. And so we'll have some good laughs with him, but we'll also have some good serious talk, and we're looking forward to that as well. Yeah, I definitely next week also, uh, even if it's short, want to talk a little bit about the incident um, that is going on in the Middle East uh, between Israel and Palestine conflict is getting very, very, very hot and heavy. So I will definitely, the, the week un, unravels with more information and more news and hopefully not as much violence. We'll, we'll definitely talk a little bit about that as well. So. Mm-hmm. Travis, Andy, is there anything you guys would like to say to our viewers before we sign on out? Thank you for everybody. We had a lot of folks get in and out, get in and out tonight, and we had a lot of – sorry we didn't get to all the comments. We have actually a ton of comments here, but we didn't get to tonight. I'm sorry about that. Um, but uh, Oh, we, yeah, my phone had locked up. I, I, I missed them. Sorry, guys. But, uh, yes, um, please uh, really – you know, we really invite you guys. We get a lot of shares and a lot of listens during the week. Um, and sorry we're a little bit late tonight, but, uh, yeah. Look forward to next week, too. Yeah, thank you, guys. <clears throat> yeah, everyone, again, thank you guys so much. Um, I can't wait to uh, talk to you guys next week. Uh, make sure you guys give us a listen, whether it's on uh, Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcast, YouTube, right here on Facebook. Thank you all so much for joining us for the Voice of Reason podcast. Uh, we can't wait to talk to you guys next week. My name is Sean, alongside my two co-hosts, Andy and Travis. And we will talk to you guys next time.